people are going to be writing about us for the rest of our lives probably, and after we're dead. So I intend to either confuse the issue so much they never knew what was going on, or to try and keep shoving out bits and bits. So as whoever is bothered to be looking at it in the future, the people that really know will sort out, you know, they'll know what was going on a bit. There's a lot of books about the Beatles and a lot of theories. And I try not to read them, and whenever I do, the first thing is like, oh, that's wrong. Everywhere you go, trying to find out any little bit of dirt that they can write about you. Beatles is Beatles, that Beatles, Beatles, Beatles. It doesn't matter, you know, what, what people say. You can't live all your life by what they want. Another Kind of Mind, a different kind of Beatles podcast by Another Kind of Mind. Hello and welcome to Through the Another Kind of Mind. Hello and welcome to Through the Acom Lens, a look at the Beatles on film. In our first two special bonus episodes, my guest host Sam Wiles and I discussed two fascinating TV movies, The Linda McCartney Story and John and Yoko, A Love Story. In this special bonus episode number three, we're going to compare the two films and have a broader conversation about the mythology surrounding the aforementioned couples and how these films in particular build, play upon, or perpetuate those images to the mainstream public. Let's get started. Okay, Sam, what are the main similarities between these two films? Uh... Both are glossy, both glaze over the truth. Both are examples of uh, upping the attractiveness in casting for one reason or another. Of the main ladies in the films, <laughs> yeah. Both feature the Beatles' breakup meeting in different forms of uh, authenticity and accuracy, which is quite nice. Uh, both feature far too much Beatles stuff. Both gloss over the 70s far too much. <laughs> um, oh, very true. There's a lot. There's a lot of similarities. The main difference, of course, is that the John and Yoko film is sort of sanctioned mm -hmm. and shaped by Yoko Ono, whereas the Linda McCartney movie, I don't think, has anything to do with any of the McCartneys. I would be shocked if any of them have even watched it. If Paul has watched it, he hates it. <laughs> he hasn't watched it, though. Paul McCarty is not watching a fictional movie about him nursing his wife through cancer and into death. That's not yeah. going to happen. Well, it's interesting how both movies are centered around a death and both are like kind of mourning pieces over the loss of one of the title characters. Uh, like one's done by the real life partner who actually felt the loss but the other is more like designed for the public to mourn Linda. Yes. And oddly, like the one that is where the, the grieving widow in this case has a hand in the production. It's not about the loss at all. And it's, it's not even so much about him. It's more about her. Yeah. And their story ends the moment John dies and yeah. naturally and naturally it ends. Yeah. Both of these movies are made sort of with the intention of reshaping the image of a woman who has um, sort of been treated roughly in the public sphere. Mm -hmm. 
whether fairly or unfairly, yeah. How do these fictionalized films compare to reality? Terribly. (laughs) 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 I mean, the costumes are all right, I suppose. Um, They are very accurate in the sense that the other two Beatles are completely sidelined and never get a word in edgeways. And they're completely accurate in the sense that both couples were kind of uh, all consumed by each other. But out, outside of that, it's it's so hard to watch any scene without going, oh, I'm sure a version of this happened, but I'm, I'm not sold. There's a cynicism that comes with this. And I guess it comes with being a Beatles fan, I suppose, in, in any sort of historical sense. But I find it hard to watch this without having my thinking cap on. Like, I couldn't imagine anyone other than a non-Beatles fan just watching either of these movies and just enjoying it as a a story about someone called Linda and and Paul or John and Yoko, you know? Yeah, I tried to do that when I was watching it. But that doesn't make sense, though, because... Who, who are they selling that to on these on these weird types of made-for-TV channels? Because if you're making it for Beatle fans, then... Well, you're definitely not. Unless they're, like, introductory Beatle fans. But I think this is more about catching the average viewer at home. Like, everybody at home knows the Beatles, knows Paul McCartney, knows John Lennon. So, Sam, um, how do these movies compare with more recent output from both of the estates? Well, I mean, it's different in the sense of the recent Lennon Ono output in the sense that this film isn't just another reissue of Imagine, I guess. That's a, <laughs> that's a, <laughs> I guess this whole conversation is more about the distance we've got from these films now. One's 21 years old, the other is about, what, 36 years old? Wow, yeah. And now that we've got that distance, well, it becomes clearer almost day by day that, they are very false and, be, and they become more false as we go along. Uh, I guess the best way to describe it is that they are more time capsules of what the estates were doing at that exact point. Uh, of course, with the John and Yoko one, it's all lovey, lovey, love. Our relationship was worth it. You never understood me, mom and dad. Look how cool I actually am. I guess that's not too different, actually, from the one uh, yeah. story that the Lennon Ono estate put out. I wonder if they would have even put this script out now and it, uh, whether it would even be any different. Well, well, how different is it from Above Us Only Sky? I guess Above Us Only Sky had a, a slight more of a wink and a nod to the to the audience and, say, the more well well-read Beatle fan. But this is definitely for public consumption, like you say everything's dumbed down for the lowest common denominator. There's no room for nuance or anything like that. And I mean, when you've got Yoko and no nuance, do not expect the truth. That's all I'm saying. Well, there's definitely in this 1985 film, there is definitely no hint of like internal strife in their marriage. No, no real problems. There's it's all like external pressures and, um, people wishing them ill. There's nothing coming from inside the house, you know. <laughs> but the um, enemy without, definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> the interesting thing to me is that this is pre Goldman. This comes like three years before the Albert Goldman book. Hmm. And um, 
it's so sanitized that it if you didn't know better you would think oh did this come after that book because it looks like an attempt to whitewash everything but actually and it's funny because i've seen interviews with albert goldman at the time like on youtube or whatever like you you Mm. can find them still and and he said i had to write this book because the image of john lennon had just gotten absolutely ridiculous and he had to be pulled down off his pedestal and when I saw that interview, I was like, that's a little a bit of an overstatement, is it? Like, what did you really, is he a U.S. president or something? Like, he's not the prime minister of Britain. Is there really a need to take him down off his pedestal? But then when you watch this movie, you're like, oh, I kind of see what he means. <laughs> you know, like, I'm not saying I agree with him, that it's necessary that the public has a negative view of John Lennon, <laughs> you know, but, but I, at least I kind of know what he's talking about now because this version, I mean, John sh- basically should be wearing a halo throughout this movie. Oh, it's such a trite thing to like called Lennon and a messianic figure, especially with like, you know, the bigger than God comments, the fact that he's got the beard yeah. and, and, and the hair, but this film genuinely does tread that line awfully close. It's like, come on, like, did John never fart or anything? Did he do something bad to Yoko? Like, did he never even take one of her biscuits by accident, like George or something? Did anything happen between these two? And this movie would have you believe not you know um yeah John n- never had a bad thought about her ever never did a bad action towards her it's funny how the generalized public perception so uh, is so congruous with this lennon and yoko movie and i wonder where the where one ends and the other begins because so much of the high school early beatle fan kind of early opinions you have are verbatim this movie you know john was the best he was the poet he was the artist paul was boring he just did silly love songs and it's like oh and john may have done heroin like once maybe possibly not but just to write that song (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) what that would be a very funny take look guys john only did heroin just to write cold turkey yeah oh, of course he wanted well, to do it he's a bohemian sam he has to try everything it's his moral obligation as an artist so he no no he beat women so he could become a peace activist obviously. of course yeah. he's not some common wife beater that's for plebs and you know gross people that we want to put in jail he's not a junkie like some dirt person he's an artist it's different he's allowed <laughs> Oh, we're it's, making Yoko sound like such a Karen here today. I'm, I'm awfully sorry, Yoko. <laughs> I'm sympathetic to her. Like, for example, you know, she told Ar- Arlene Rexon that John beat her to the point where she thinks that he caused one of her miscarriages. Now, I completely understand why she doesn't want to talk about that in public or why she wouldn't put it in a movie. Or if you asked her, at a later, you know, if you, if you asked her to corroborate that, she'd deny it. I get that. I understand that because she's humiliated too. She doesn't want to talk about it. Is it the humiliation, Phoebe, or is it the fact that the Lennon estate is 99% of her income? And if she tarnishes John's name, then how could she put out the 65th anniversary of Imagine? You know, well, I think it's both. But what I'm saying is if there's a part of her that's like, 
that's humiliating information for me and it's none of your business and I don't want you to know about it. That part I'm sympathetic to. Like she doesn't have to talk about it if she doesn't want to. I, that's mm. fine. I guess it, it, it's more interesting as a psychological study and I think it's a lot more revealing of Yoko than she would ever intend when embarking on a project like this. But, you know, this could all be just us over-intellectualizing it and being a bit too Marxist in our critical theory here. But... <laughs> Yeah, she lays it on the table whether she intends to or not in this movie. Oh, yeah, she super does. She super does. And let's give her the benefit of the doubt and say that she loves her husband and she wants to do right by him and she wants him to be remembered well. Okay. Mm. I'm sure there's a part of that as well. Like Astrid is going to say sweet things only about Stu because he died at the peak of his youth or whatever like mm. he's an angel he's she's not gonna go well yeah of course he could be an asshole we had this one fight where it still kind of annoys me to think about like she's not gonna tell stories like that but like of course he had faults and flaws but we never discussed them because he's an angel mm. whatever she's looking out for his legacy and so she is always going to talk about how important he is and what an amazing artist he was and stuff like that because she doesn't want him to be forgotten, right? And if it wasn't yeah. for her, he'd kind of be washed over in the Beatles history just because, like, who else is going to talk about, you know what I mean? Like, let's listen to Klaus talk about Pete for 30 minutes. Yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. It's not, and it's no one happen. would care what Klaus has to say. So stuff. <laughs> it's like yeah it's, it's astrid's job to do that um from her point of view and from probably everybody else's point of view because she's effectively his widow so she's always going to be advocating for him but if you were to watch the linda mccartney story without knowing the mccartney estate's involvement in it i don't think i'm stepping over the line by saying that most people would have assumed that Paul would have had a hand in it in making Linda appear as positive and as intellectual and as fierce as possible and yet turns out he wasn't and it's just the public and I think that this has a lot to do yeah. with the public perception of Linda and Yoko yes. as people the public like Linda regardless of what the wider Beatle community like like you could you know Lewison could write three books on, on like how much of a cow Linda was and it wouldn't change public perception of Linda at all she is well, an angel in in perpetuity now but I think that is after her death like I agree with you but I feel like her whole image was built up after her death I, I don't think people were that crazy about her no, whilst she was alive Yoko's the female Paul how dare she survive and live on and not just sink away quietly into the night. You know, it's, it, it's the same kind of resentment, you know? Um. I feel as if people wanted Yoko in 1981 to retire from the public eye, to hand over the entire Lennon estate over to Apple and to go, okay, I'm no longer a part of this story. And mm. the fact that she still is so- Managing, yeah, actively. You know, active, yeah. Uh, people find that offensive well she's way more active in managing his career than her own but like paul hasn't done like six more garlands for linda since her death you know he did the one and then he released um appaloosa and then there was no more linda content really except a few books every now and then but those books have more been spearheaded by the children rather than him you know 
For sure, for sure. Although it's that's not a perfect comparison because Linda doesn't have the body of work that John Lennon had. No, she has a much better body of work, definitely. Oh! <laughs> Gumbo and pole boys are all that are seen in New Orleans. She's actually a, a very, very talented photographer, but... Um, no, no, she's one of the talented photographers. Yeah, definitely. I can't really speak to her cookbook, you know. I don't know about her cooking. I haven't tried any Linda McCartney products. All I know is that the first cookbook, the one that was released while she was alive in the 80s, is just full of fat, lard, and cream. And That's what everybody says nightmare. about them. Yeah, it's like the yeah. Paula Deen of <laughs> <laughs> be vegetarian. So if we're talking about like the modern mythology of the couples versus like 80s or 90s mythology or even like the aughts, I don't think the Paul and Linda has changed that much. Although to me, it seems like Paul and Linda used to be just a normal couple. Like they were like John and Yoko, but not as cool or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And and they've since, like in the past 10, 15, I don't know, maybe 20, probably become since her very death, iconic. The they have. They've really become like the best couple on the planet, which is hilarious to me because those two were constantly saying, like, literally every time they were interviewed, they would say, yeah it's not perfect marriage is rough marriage is hard you know it's not a fairy tale they had a little bit of a routine that they would give where they would say yeah we Mm -hmm. have ups and downs but we love each other but you know um a little bit of a canned response but they were consistent about it and they've said it all throughout their marriage we are not perfect we do have problems and we fight after john was killed a lot of interviewers especially women began to ask Paul about his marriage to Linda. And like, it seems like you guys are perfect. What's your, what's your secret to a perfect marriage? And he'd always be like, well, first of all, I don't have a perfect marriage. Secondly, I have no fucking clue. That storyline seemed to be like it was pushed, like from the outside. Yeah, but who was pushing it? Cause we know the John and Yoko story was being pushed by John and Yoko. Uh, yes. But- up until, like, say, the McCartney re-releases when he really started getting back on the media train, then obviously he's uh, re-signed with Capital, and now he's just fucking everywhere. But yeah. I don't think the Paul and Linda perfect marriage thing was pushed solely by Paul and Linda. I think a lot I, of it was by the fans. I absolutely agree with you. I don't think they ever pushed it, honestly. I will say that I think he has, he has kind, he stopped pushing back on it. Let's put it that way. Yes, I don't. I think yeah, it's yeah. even strong to say that he's leaned into it because I don't think he's leaned into it. I think he just lets it slide because he's like, why am I pushing back on that? I don't care if people think we're perfect, whatever. It's like, if people <laughs> think I'm a nice guy, why am I going to argue with them? You know what I mean? Like, if that's my reputation, I'll take it. Better than being a dick, right? But sometimes you can see in an interview where there's a question that's been set up, right? That Paul's expecting. And even if it's something that the interviewer is going to ask, and then he's going to push back on it, right? Like you mm-hmm. can tell when it's a setup, those were not setups. Like you can tell by his reaction because a lot of times he won't play ball. There's several interviews in the eighties where they're like, tell me why Linda is so amazing and why having such a strong woman saved your <laughs> life or whatever. And he's like, I, what? 
she's a good wife. I don't know what you want me to say, you know. It's so weird that we are so in we're so fascinated with these people's marriages. Like I get that we like the private lives and yeah, stuff, but yeah. but do we really care whether they argued over a burnt roast or not? Not that Linda would be would be cooking a roast. Would we care that poor Linda would be arguing over a burnt nut loaf? Well, who doesn't? <laughs> I don't particularly think so. Has anyone ever been in a marriage or like had parents or like been in any sort of family situation like what kind of marriage do you think exists where people don't have fights that's weird maybe it's more revealing of the Beatles fandom than anything else (laughs) it has to be because the way that people talk about them is insane it's like guys a 50 60 year old person is gonna have some fucking regrets and some second thoughts and you know what I mean and also Mm -hmm. like if you're living with staring into sleeping next to and fucking the same person for fucking 40 years or however many 30 years however long they were married like that's a really long time you're not going to be thrilled to see that person every day you're just not and also they've got four kids it's impossible for them not to hate each other every once in a while it's like that monty python sketch where there's some guys like you know your wife uh, you do do it don't you What's it like? You know, like (laughs) (laughs) the Beatles fans are just all these single, lonely, sexless white men that (laughs) can't fathom that the love that the Beatles promised us existed when they were 17 and writing songs that were quite flippant and frivolous isn't real. Like, what? She doesn't love you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or women too, though. If their marriage isn't perfect, Phoebe, then maybe they'll get divorced. We can marry them. Are you thinking that I'm not sat here counting the days until Kira Knightley gets divorced? <laughs> of course I am. You know, you know what I mean? I'm waiting for that and I'll swoop in. I feel like the mythology about Linda McCartney from her estate is less about Paul and Linda had a perfect marriage. I feel like it's more like Linda was a sweet angel she was just a beautiful lovely um gentle free spirit you know who loved animals and her her babies and that kind of stuff the film was much more comfortable exploring paul's foibles than it was linda's like oh look at the paul this depressed drunk stoner who can't who can't even make ram by himself what an idiot well, like, so is Paul, though. Paul, yeah. <laughs> Paul is more comfortable saying, like, I'm a piece of shit than he is criticizing anything about Linda. Even after her death, he wasn't like, we had the best marriage. He's like, I'm garbage and I didn't deserve her. And she was the best. I've just bought uh, Blackbird singing and I've just read all of Paul's like post. Oh, uh, God. Uh, like Linda poetry. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is heartbreaking. It's like... If you if you had any doubt that at least in in their uh, ultimate simulacra simulacrum relationship that that was perfect, just look in look into that book. It's a great portrayal of that, you know, without yeah. being a bit overly sentimental like the movie is, uh, and without any cheesy topless sex scenes. <laughs> That's what I get from the kids too. They're like, we miss our mom so much. She was amazing. She was a fantastic mom. She was an amazing woman. She was an amazing photographer. She was in a male-dominated field. She told people to fuck off. You know, people gave her so much shit. She was so strong. She loved animals. She was an amazing advocate for vegetarianism. 
all this kind of stuff. The kids were not like our parents were perfect and they had a fairy tale relationship and they just loved each other so much. You know, if you ask them, they'll be like, yeah, they were very, very sweet and they were very in love. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think they I think their marriage was rocky in the 80s and got better in the 90s. Anyways, I, I like that about them. I think I, I kind of wish that the mythology about Paul and Linda was more about their ups and downs, you know, more than. And, and again, like we were saying, it's not the McCartneys that put out this myth of them having a perfect marriage with no problems it's it's pretty much a media invention Mm -hmm. or a fan invention oh Um, if you go on instagram or twitter or pinterest there's just thousands and thousands of pictures of just paul and linda together walking through a field and it's like you you barely see you don't see the couple idealization or idea idealization of john and yoko it's like they're more of an idea of a couple, I guess, rather than something that people actually aspire to be. People like, to quote a modern hashtag, couples goals. That is yeah. Paul and Linda to a T. Yeah. Well, I think they kind of are. They they have more romantic vibes, more sexual vibes too. Like to me, they're they're sort of hotter, uh, passion wise, you know, than mm-hmm. than John and Yoko. They. They emit more heat. They're definitely more towards the Bradgelina on the spectrum. Yeah, I get that. Maybe, but I think I think John and Yoko. Mo- John and Yoko look more like I don't know Simon and Garfunkel or who you know. Like- <laughs> <laughs> they're more Paul and Oates. <laughs> yes, yes, like a they're iconic and they they they're partners. They're yes, not- yes, yeah. exactly. They look more like I'm not implying anything about their marriage or their sex life or whatever. I'm just saying like. Well, yeah, like there was never a moment when Yoko went, no, no, John, I don't want to be in your band. And John had to convince her, whereas Linda had that kind of, "Ah, I don't don't actually want to be in Wings. Do we have to go on tour again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you, You can have something separate from me, Paul, if you want to, if you want to. Well, they, well, John and Yoko came out, um, with a, with a brand name where they both have double where they, you know what I mean? They both have top billing. They're John and Yoko. Like they came out like an act, like a, um, me, like a musical act or something, except mm. they're not musical. They're, they're pop adjacent. Right. Mm. I mean, sometimes they're musical, like they do do some music together, but, but only sometimes, you know, like half the time what they're doing together is just publicity. You know, they're like a, um, like a, <clears throat> Like a celebrity couple. You know, they're, you they're... the first celebrity couples. Like, yeah, exactly. The, or at least modern celebrity couples. Like, you know, you fucking had Sonny and Cher, but they weren't appearing in Vogue doing an expose or anything like that, you know? Yeah. I don't know what the modern equivalent of it would be. Pa- power couple? Would that be a better Yeah, phrase? yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes. They're more, yes. They're more of a power couple. Although Beyonce, power... Jay-Z? Sure. <laughs> sure except no, no, respectfully no, no. to yoko she is no beyonce <laughs> but, no but in, in in the sense that i look at jay-z and beyonce together and i know that they're a, a an incredible business team and they create great music together yes i don't ever i don't ever picture them fucking you, you know what yes. i mean no 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 it's a, you're absolutely right you're absolutely right like there are people writing fan fiction about jay-z and beyonce like nobody wants to see that <laughs> you know like I'm, well, that sounded well, really rude. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. <think> <laughs> <wants to see it. laughs> 
You mean like are people are people daydreaming and fantasizing about them? No, but you know we know Paul and Linda ate at home a hundred percent. Yeah, um, but again, doesn't mean that they're a better couple, and certainly doesn't mean that they don't fight as much. Other than maybe they fought more even than John and Yoko. You know. No, but it all comes down to me thinks the lady doth protest too much. And every time Yoko says John was nice, it just makes us think he was badder. You know what I mean? <laughs> Whereas yeah. at least Paul, the most subversive, non-truth-telling, avoiding the real topic yeah. kind of man of all time, he actually does say that it wasn't perfect. And that is more truthful than yeah. a 50-page essay on how Linda burnt that nut roast. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. I mean, John doesn't really claim to have been perfect, but you're right. Yoko does. How well do either of these films succeed in pushing their various uh, agendas or, or just like it, just their ideas? The propaganda. Yeah. Um, again, as time goes on, they, they do worse and worse, but at the time. Yeah. As films, say, as films. I mean, neither of them break the bounds of believability or, you know, none of them yeah. break the, the the narrative within the worlds they are creating. They do all seem plausible enough. Um, I'd say they probably do equally as well, actually. I don't, um, yeah. they, they push different narratives for different reasons, but they both push them reasonably well because they've got cheap experienced film production crews behind them i guess yeah i really liked the john and yoko and the john and yoko story if we're pushing the narrative that john never beat yoko and he was a lovely guy right, and, right. The only, and the only things that happened were outside forces acting upon them then i guess it did very very well um, right like if i know nothing about the world that we live in you know like if i if i if these are made up characters that i i'm not aware of the beatles or you know no, it, that movie is a very good stephanie meyer book 100 percent. yeah i thought it did pretty good it, i think i would have been endeared slightly more to her if we had more scenes of her shouting at the priests and bishops more scenes like that, her, <laughs> her flying off the handle um but again that would be only because i'd oh i'd try to over intellectualize it but like oh she's actually putting herself on the line here that's really cool but again that's not going to happen yeah she seemed to have a little she seemed more i don't know what the word is not innocent but she seemed more along for the ride almost kind of like um she seemed definitely less plotting and deliberate mm -hmm. there was there was there was no corkboard with john lennon's face in the middle and a bunch of red red <laughs> red, red ribbons going off to other pieces of evidence like this is how i'm gonna get him and then the the Paul and Linda movie, you know, like I said, it I kind of bought into their romance towards the end. It did her death very well. I can't take that away from the movie. Yeah, it did it very earnestly without over sentiment. It did portray her as a real person, even if for fleeting seconds. You know. Yeah. Um, and our buddy Gary Bakewell. Um, his best acting was as older Paul, I thought. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah, I do, did feel like he really loved that woman and he really 
was a good caretaker for her. Yeah. There was definitely a lot better chemistry between those two actors in general anyway. There were so many scenes in the John Yoko movie where they're just doing these monologues to each other that just isn't yeah. how people talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, it's which I don't know if that maybe that was deliberate. I don't know because it was like John and Yoko were just two like brains in plastic bubbles that are fond of each other or something you know what i mean it's yeah. like uh it's a very mental connection anyways yeah and how do you portray a mental connection on film you know we didn't really break down the comparison of the divorce meeting because i feel like that is one scene yeah that was per that one scene that appeared in both movies which, and it might, which, it, it's crazy because it, it just shows how important it is through pure convergence. There's no pre-planning on this. It's just both independent parties were like, this is the day. Well, it is a big deal because it's, you know, John and Paul were with their wives prior to this meeting. But this meeting is kind of sort of uh, mutually agreed upon as like, the end of their relationship, right? Mm-hmm. And and sort of the end of the Beatles. And having done a two-hour episode with Diana on this meeting, <laughs> um, we went into it pretty, pretty deep. So we we know both of their versions of the story. Like we talked about Paul's version for an hour and we talked about John's version for an hour. And it's really kind of amazing how they both line up in these movies. My main takeaway from it was in the John and Yoko portrayal. Well, first of all, all four Beatles are there and none of the other people are there, which is inaccurate. Like, yes, we know that Yoko was there. We know that Alan Klein was there. Um, We know that Linda was there and George was not there, (laughs) but in the John and Yoko movie, Yoko's nowhere to be found. She's not there. It's a private meeting with just the four Beatles. Um, so why would Yoko choose to been. remove herself from that scene? Very, very interesting. And Alan Klein isn't there either. But again, this is a universe where How Do You Sleep never happened. And Primal Scream never happens. Like, this is an alternate universe, this movie. It's it's ridiculous. But... Um, but it seems like, you know, it, it'd be like writing a World War Two movie and removing yourself from the Iwo Jima scene. You know what I mean? It's like, why is why is she not putting herself well, in that's this? Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. But the thing about that meeting was, again, John said, well, I've left the band, but I agree for the sake of harmony or for the sake of, you know, the band, whatever. Business as usual, yeah. I'm not going to say anything. Yes. And then he gets up and leaves. And Paul's just kind of like, huh. Okay, which is very similar to John's version. Paul is not heartbroken. Paul's not even like emotionally affected. He's like, oh, okay. Um, whereas in the Linda version, Paul's devastated. You know, he's like, he's at home uh, drinking himself to death after it. He's so upset. I guess a lot, a lot of that will come down to the secondhand nature of it. 
obviously Yoko was there. She can lend that authenticity to the to the to the first one. And you know, even though there are inaccuracies elsewhere in the in the Yoko movie, that is one of those scenes where it's like, oh, I have to lend some credence to this because she has a, a view that simply other people didn't have. Well, a couple things. Paul says that Linda was in the meeting, so she was there. Oh, she was there. She okay. was there, but that but the in the Linda story, it's not based on Linda's account of it. It's based on Paul's account of it. Yeah. In many years from now. But but I feel like the John and Yoko version is more through John's eyes, which is that Paul doesn't care. It didn't have any emotional impact on Paul because Paul didn't give a fuck. You know, he just cares about the having the band together so he can make money, which is why he did the thing with the announcement of the band. It was simply to capitalize on it and to sell records, you know. And meanwhile, John is the one having the emotional reaction. He's like, right? Because he's upset. And then he's like, I can't believe it. The band is over. And he, you know, he's like crying almost. And then he's, and then he's writing God because he's so devastated by the breakup, which by the way, I do think is true. I mean, it's insanity to suggest that John's not upset about the breakup. It's stupid. I don't expect you. To understand after you've caused so much pain. I've kept me mouth shut for six months to keep up appearances, and he uses it to publicize his new album. I could have done that with cold turkey, I could have done it with live piece and tomato. What good is that? It's good for me. It's not good for the furniture. To hell with the furniture! Who are you kicking, a Paul or yourself? really over but it's interesting because the story has so become so become about how devastated paul was like from you know paul's version is that john was just like anyway fuck you i want a divorce i'm out of this bitch and then he storms off and paul runs home crying like those two stories are completely opposite i mean the fact that John is, uh, in in his version, upset that there's no emotional reaction from Paul is direct, you know, it's a, a smoking gun that he was doing it entirely for an emotional reaction, as as you've gone into before on this show. Yeah. And <laughs> good point. It, it is it is so funny that both that that both of these narr- narratives, all they require is basically a bit of empathy towards the the other narrative and maybe if these two scripts got together and the two directors maybe they could have both created something a little bit closer to the truth (laughs) at least for this at least for this one scene maybe they could have co-directed it and we'd have a a Beatles cinematic universe like Marvel all right so what are your expectations for the future in terms of this mythology this John and Yoko versus Paul and Linda mythology uh, seven more releases of the Imagine album, 17 more releases of the Plastic Owner Band album. Yep, for sure. Um, and a continuation of this exact line of mythology until Yoko unfortunately passes away within the next decade, say. And then after that, we're going to get two or three authors doing the untold Yoko Ono. And like, finally, we can get stuff out. You know, Jeffrey Giuliano can finally release his sordid, libelous tales about Yoko Ono you know um but I don't think any of it's actually gonna 
do anything to change the actual fans' perceptions of Yoko. Mm. It might change certain public perception. Um, I don't think she's going to be venerated in the way that John or even Linda or even you know George was. Um, there'll be a couple of news articles saying, oh, maybe we were a little bit wrong about John and Yoko. They were an all right couple, I guess. And then that'll be the end of it. I really don't see this mythology lasting any more than 20 years, if I'm honest, especially with yeah. the younger generation that's come up with so much extra media and books and pod, even podcasts, you know, that just yeah. discuss this kind of thing. It, 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 it's on a time limit, 100%. So you don't think that Sean Lennon is going to continue the ultimate couple mythology? No, 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 no. As soon as soon as mom's gone, it's gonna be like, right, here's the real deal, motherfuckers. This is what actually went down. Really? Whereas, whereas if Paul was to die tomorrow, I'm very confident that the five children would do their best to keep the mythology going, even if there was infighting amongst the five of them. Yeah. I I mean, am I wrong in saying that Julian and Sean are not a united front a hundred percent of the time? Like, you know. Yeah, if, and if one of them's got a new album to put out, tell a bitchy story about mum and dad, and then the other one can respond to it and keep the media cycle going. Sorry, I'm, I'm just so cynical, Phoebs. I really, yeah, <laughs> I really I, am. I, I don't know. I mean, they 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 always insist that they're cool and that they have no beef and that they're brothers and all that sort of stuff, which seems fair enough. I mean, you can be brothers and on some level, like love each other and not want to hurt each other, but also have competing agendas. I mean, that's, you'd have different moms. So yeah, one is advocating for Cynthia. One's advocating for Yoko. That is a thing. So that might be one point that might be, maybe that's the only point of contention between them or whatever. Like maybe, maybe it'll be, it could be more down to the, the details. Maybe the overarching yeah. narrative will stay the same, but like maybe certain details will certainly change. Whereas I don't feel like after Linda's death, the narrative really changed at all. If anything, it was just further cemented. I don't think that, I, I don't think there's really any dirt on Linda. There's nothing to, you know, there's no, there's no dirt to dish, you know, certainly there would be dish on Paul um, that, and maybe some of the, Paul's dirt would cast a, Paul over their marriage you know what I mean like so, like any sort of um, uh, troubles they had in their marriage that could be blamed on Paul like any sort of you know physical abuse or physical confrontations or whatever <coughs> excuse me um, but none of that would reflect badly on Linda herself right no, no it would reflect badly true. badly on Paul so um Again, though, it's like John and uh, John doing heroin bad. Yoko doing heroin is always going to be perceived as even worse because she was pregnant at the time. Stuff like that, it just creates this disparity where. Well, and also the, because the, she, the perception just aren't equal. They're just not. Well, and also because she introduced John to heroin, so there, that's a thing yeah. too. But again, that you know, that's a slippery area because, like, are you really? Uh, blaming the pusher for the drug addiction you know what I mean like mm -hmm. like he could easily get heroin from and he got it from um fucking Robert Frazier who's Paul's friend so 
whatever. It's like, it was around, he was going to do it anyway. And lots of rock stars were doing heroin at the time. It was very popular. So whatever to that, but I think the posthumous um, perception of Yoko will be very positive. Yeah. At least Um, for the first five years. And maybe that'll be true about Paul too. Like maybe there will be a wave of adoration for like a year or whatever. And then that'll settle down and then the vultures will come out and the the Albert Goldman's will come out, you know, but I don't, again, I I don't think Linda will be painted as anything except a victim there. That's the interesting thing about the difference between Yoko and Linda. It's like Yoko is always portrayed as like the instigator and the inflictor of harm. Yeah. Yeah, Like the aggressor. Exactly. And Linda's always like the victim, you know, if anything bad happened in their marriage, if Linda would be the victim, whereas Yoko is somehow (laughs) portrayed as like the abuser in the John and Yoko relationship. We can't ignore the fact that this, the narrative of the Beatles is mostly a white Western narrative and Yoko has an otherness that is coded into everything she says and does and and how is she and how she is perceived and that can never be underestimated. Well, that is absolutely true. And also I will say that I think the modern perception of Yoko, n- not with the public at large, but say, mm. you know, in the Beatles community now is at the highest it's ever been. And the most yeah. revered, she is the most revered she's ever been. She is considered a Beatle almost virtually like her, you know, a Beatles podcast, if they're doing album reviews will include Yoko's at this point. I don't think that's because we've learned more about Yoko over the years that has endeared her to us. Right. I think it's just a reflection of how attitudes have changed over mm-hmm. the past 30, 40, 50 years, you know, like now we're more mindful of racism and sexism. So people are aware enough to know that they're going to be perceived a certain way if they don't include mm-hmm. Yoko, but it's uh, enough of a conversation at this moment in time where people go, oh, you know what? I will pretend to like Yoko. I guess like her biggest crime though was not telling John to stay in the Beatles. I guess that's her biggest crime, isn't it? In terms of the fandom, like how dare she allow John not only to break up from the Beatles, I think that that's a good idea, but then allow him to think that being a house husband for five years and not putting out seven crappy albums was the best move as well. Like, I mean, why is any of that her job or her responsibility? Oh, again, we're going back to the perceptions of the Beatles fandom, I guess. Like, you know, women are controlling. Women do this, they do <laughs> well, that. No, it's know? more like mommies are controlling, right? Hey, <laughs> we did ask John to call her mother. Come on. <laughs> Although there is truth to that. Yeah. He did fucking call her mom and she did tell him what to do. Like that's, That is actually true. But I'm just saying, like, why are you mad at her for that he asked her to do it this whole conversation just comes comes down to 
our own perceptions of what we consider to be the truth and that's true yeah like like all history the real truth is somewhere in the middle you know was Churchill the man who saved England during World War II or was he a racist sexist asshole who just so happened to be in power when we happened to win a war that Hitler was already losing you know you can clearly take two different sides on the same kind of argument here and And it can be both and it can be both. You stole the words out of my mouth. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it is what it is. It's just in terms of like um, stories that we consume. We're never going to get the movie where Yoko ruined John's life, are we? We're never going to get the movie that shows Yoko keeping him up until 3 a.m. in the morning with her phone calls. And we're never going to get the movie with him beating Yoko. We're never going to get the movie where Paul and Linda have the nut roast fallout. You know, these things need approval from estates and families. Like if anyone saw the the James Brown movie Get On Up that happened a a few years ago, that was the most painfully sanitized thing ever. Well, and I feel like we were getting more and more into that as time goes. Like, I feel like those types of movies are extremely popular nowadays. Super sanitized. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, the movie where like Freddie was only kind of gay. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what a Ew, load yeah. of fucking horseshit that was. Like, the Wings movie that I want to see, where Paul bursts into the room and finds Jimmy McCulloch doing a Scarface amount of cocaine when he <laughs> needs to be doing uh, an encore on stage, is never going to happen. Jimmy McCulloch's family's never going to sign off on that. Paul's family's never going to sign off on that. And it's a terrible situation to think that the most grim, dark, gritty interpretation of John we're ever going to get is nowhere, boy. Fucking hell. Ugh. Yeah. Oh, John <laughs> Lennon fingered a girl once up against a tree. What a rebel. Like, get over yourself, movie. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But so, Aaron, I mean, Aaron Taylor Johnson's gorgeous, so let's not take that away from him. He looks great in that movie. <laughs> he's dreamy. Um, I guess. You know, like like every movie, it 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 tells us a little bit about the time that it was made in. It tells us a little bit about what the audience wants to see at that particular time. So, you know, if we're headed in a direction that is super sanitized, where everybody's portrayed in the nicest way possible, you know, maybe maybe that speaks more to what people want nowadays maybe people aren't hungry for the dirt on the beatles anymore maybe they just want you know give us the myth yeah please we want to feel happy we've just gone through covid please give us some happy myths about let it be mr jackson you know and honestly i do feel that like in general these were pretty good people i even say that about john and paul knowing that they could both be um bastards yeah absolutely and that they, you know, they're both capable of violence. They're both capable of like hatred, you know, like they're flawed, powerful men. But I still think in general, they're pretty decent people. Mm-hmm. And Yoko too. God, we got some hot takes here today. John, Yoko, Paul, and Linda were pretty good people at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Going forward, will the audience want to? you know, pick at the corpses 
they are won't we, are... because the audience aren't us, Phoebe, are they? The general audience. What do they know about Sergeant Pepper? Oh, the the front cover. And uh, there's a song called Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds, right? That's all they know. That, that'll be the beat in that film. They're never going to do, oh, let's, let's do a whole movie about Paul's drunken depression pre-Ram and then end it with the start of Ram. That movie's never going to happen. Let's do a movie about the water wing sessions when Jimmy and Joe leave the band. No one cares. It's never going to happen. I'd love those movies. I'd love to see either one of them, you know, as long as they're empathetic. That's all I require out of any of these movies. And I don't mind delving into the fuck ups and the flaws and even the really bad behavior of any of these people, as long as we show empathy for them. Like that is the, that's the thing that's missing, for example, from Albert Goldman's book mm-hmm. right it's like there's there's no empathy for anybody in that book but i i don't mind having the information <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah help us tear down our heroes but be cool about it basically you know? john lennon's whole image is like the truth teller and the iconoclast it's like you can't be an iconoclast and an icon at the same time yeah i think i think that reveals more about our, our perception of the John Lennon movie, the fact that he and Yoko were these truth tellers and that apparently they did know the way and we know that they didn't and yet they still keep portraying it. And it's like, come on, Yoko, just just say you were winging it. It's okay if you weren't perfect. Right. Well, that's why it's worse when you find out that Gandhi was kind of a piece of shit. Versus... Oh, yeah, like, I, I like to sleep with women to prove how non-sexual I am. Yeah, great, Gandhi. Love Okay, <laughs> I have to I have to read you something. This is from 1987. I found a, a story from the New York Post, from the highly reputable New York Post. So I'm going to read, read this to you. All you need is love, and if you're Yoko Ono, a reason for revenge. <laughs> 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 the romance of John Lennon and Ono may finally come to the big screen years after Columbia Pictures first approached Lennon's widow about making a film based on her version of their relationship from their first meeting all the way up to his murder in December, 1980. Studio sources tell page six, Brendan Keel, that a deal is close to being inked with the screeching vocalist. (laughs) Beatles fans, however, are gasping a collective, oh no, at the prospect of Yoko, 64, using the proposed $65 million movie to settle old scores with critics who claim she was the driving force behind the band's breakup. Friends of Ono's feel the film is her chance to discredit supposed myths perpetuated by writers such as the late Albert Goldman, (laughs) who wrote in his scathing 1988 biography, The Lives of John Lennon, that Lennon was an autistic, schizophrenic, bisexual. Okay, first of all, none of those things are bad. (laughs) Oh my God, (laughs) we've fucking evolved so much since 1997. Okay, an autistic, schizophrenic, bisexual manic depressive as well as a child abusing wife beater okay those aren't great whose marriage was a sham the movie will show how john and yoko fell in love while the lead singer was still married to his first wife cynthia but will claim they did not consummate their relationship until two years later after lennon had already left cynthia yoko will likely be portrayed as a peacemaker who would often soothe tensions between lennon and paul mccartney during recording sessions at the band's apple records studio and tried single-handedly to save the Beatles. How about that? Okay. 
Are you reading this along with me, by the way? I'm reading. I, 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 I've just read to the next part, and I'm looking at the the casting that they want. Oh my god, they want <laughs> Ewan McGregor to play John Lennon. Oh my gosh, that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Or Ian Hart, who played the Beatle as a young man in the 1993 film Backbeat. Can we stop reusing the cast from Backbeat for these oh fucking movies? Oh my god, that's another Christ. trash movie. It's it's so painfully fine, isn't it? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like and then at the end, they were like, uh, Paul McCartney is keeping like a cynical eye on the situation or something like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, the point is that um, Yoko has been trying to make this romance. Like she has been trying to get a major motion picture about her and John forever. Like since he died, that has been a big goal of hers. And they're supposedly- rich enough to fund it herself? Well, I don't, I mean, she got this TV movie made, but it's not, I guess it just doesn't have the prestige as a, you know, major motion picture. And they're working on one now, allegedly, right? Allegedly, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think there's always a Beatles film, allegedly, in the works during Hollywood at any one time. Oh, there's, there's allegedly, always, yeah, like 10 of them in, going on right now. And, in, and they never, and they never materialize ever. But I'm assuming that's because the living parties won't sign off on them. They may be good or they may be trash, but if, if they're not what Paul and Yoko sign off on, well, they can't, but they've signed, I, I guess, does that mean that they signed off on Backbeat? I don't think Paul signed off on that. But I A guess lot. there's nothing for him to sue over. Yeah, I, I, I guess when I said earlier that like, you know, oh, you know, Yoko wants to keep the estate and the money going, that was a bit of an, over, an, an oversimplification because Yoko and Paul are not the only people in charge of their own estates. Mm. And there are lots of other middlemen, money men, suits, men in ties who will not allow them to jeopardize things like Apple, jeopardize things like MPL or, you know, Harris songs or anything like yeah. that. Because if you slander one of the Beatles, you, you, you technically slander all of them really because then they become complicit or implicit in any of those transgressions you know yeah it's definitely complicated um there's too much there's too much money involved we're not going to get a good beetle movie for another 200 years we're just not we're going to get sanitized or versions. worst of all we're going to get yesterday which is another conversation for us <laughs> well i think maybe that's the uh, that's the direct honestly like i don't hate that i mean i didn't even see yesterday but i'm not super interested in those movies like across mm. the universe or whatever but um if the direction we're going is interesting creative um tangentially related to the beatles movies i'm fine with that you know what i mean like i like i, I have nothing against people being creative and using their imagination like it doesn't have to be a straightforward biopic you can make no, all kinds of movies about the Beatles just off the, top, off the top of my head though a point I've just realized no one's going to go see a movie just about Yoko before she meets John no one's going to go see a Linda movie where she doesn't meet Paul yeah well I would love like a like a just a decent documentary on Yoko like as an artist like I would love to see that I just want to see just Yoko no but there would be a headline in some 
sordid newspaper or or on some Beatle Facebook page, you'd be like, you know, new Yoko doc documentary barely even touches on Lennon. And then that would be a complaint against it, even though that might have been the whole point of the yeah, movie. Fuck that. I wish she would do it more. Like I wish she would lean into her solo stuff more than yeah. being John Lennon's wife. The only reissue of Yoko stuff we are going to get is the post-mortem release of her entire work akin to what happened with Linda. After that, I don't see many, many reissues at all. Well, David Sheff is writing a biographer about her. So, and that's Ooh. absolutely going to be a fluff piece. And I think there'll be a few years of that. Yoko was the true genius behind everything. You know, like she was a feminist icon, as we've discussed. She's a feminist icon. Um, but people say that about Linda too. You're not a feminist icon just by being a cool lady. I mean, couldn't they be both seen as being feminist icons purely because they both had families and had careers and had had it all, shall we say? Isn't isn't that the idealization of the feminist icon to have it all, I guess? No. No, okay. it's the opposite of that. It's it's like it's dismantling the myth of having it all. Feminism is just about women having choices. So it doesn't matter. It's not about what you choose. It's it's making sure that other women have choices. Uh. <laughs> well, I mean, and people can argue about it, too. I mean, it's not like a whatever. It's it's like saying what's mm -hmm. what's on the liberal agenda. I mean, that depends on who you ask from my point of view. That, that that's my interpretation of it and making it and making sure that all women um, regardless of regardless of, uh, you know, economic opportunity or whatever, whatever your choices are to make sure that women are safe and empowered. Well, then I guess, would their contribution be more just proof of proof in the pudding then showing that anyone can do what they do? Uh, I mean, if you want you know, Yoko proved to women all over the world that you could be hated by all sorts of men for no for no reason. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, I wouldn't pull. I would say it shouldn't be politicized. But again, you could make the argument. You know, somebody else, you ask another woman, and she would say, "No, it actually should be politicized, or that it is an act of, it is a political act to go out on stage with your husband." or to go on stage in a rock concert at all. I mean, Wings Wings played fucking rock music. Why mm. are they considered less rock than other than other rock bands from that era? Is it because Linda's in the band because they have a woman in the band? It's definitely there's definitely an element of oh, not only is the there a member of the band who's not a musician but it also happens to be a woman as well. But I mean you can watch rock show right now. Like it's streaming on Amazon prime and like, it's a, it's a kick-ass rock show. I mean, maybe it's not as heavy as. No wings live were heavy. That's the secret. That's that's the right. dirty secret of the, of, of the seventies. Look at like soily high, 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 you know, all of these gutter filth songs that McCartney was letting go out. and yeah. beware my love. And I mean, uh, you know, maybe it's not as heavy as Led Zeppelin. Or, you know, Black hey, Sabbath but or whatever. At least, <laughs> but... 
<laughs> but com- comparing Wings to Black Sabbath, that's a losing battle, isn't it? Uh... <laughs> but compare comparing Wings to like John and Yoko's concert in 1972, like it's way heavier than that. Oh yeah, and it's way better produced. It's, it, it just sounds better. But why is it considered lighter? That's weird, right? I mean, I I guess you could argue like, yeah, but there's also you gave me the answer on the <laughs> same album, so I. You know, I guess. I guess the real question at the end of all this, Phoebes, is: Are these even relevant purchases or watches to even talk about in in the modern era? Should modern day Beatles fans even consider these as must views, or are these just relics for us to talk about and to be little sections in Wikipedia articles for the for the for the future? You know, I mean, are these going to get a DVD or Blu-ray re-release in in, in the next ten years? I don't think so. No, no, not at all. I I think they're both curiosities and, you know, that they're, they could definitely be of interest to Beatle fans, especially those who are interested in how the mythology of both of these legendary marriages, you know, John and Yoko and Paul and Linda, um, how they've evolved over time and how, they were sold to like the sort of lowest common denominator audience. And I don't mean, I don't mean that as a judgment on the audience. I'm just saying people who turned into a movie of the week, like people who aren't seeking this out necessarily people who are watching it because it is on the same way you would read an article in like people magazine, because you have a subscription to it. Or because you're <laughs> in the doctor's office, or what you know, whatever. Um, yeah, this this is something that happens to be on. Yeah, this isn't something you particularly search out, whether you're a Beatle fan or not. And like you said earlier, I couldn't imagine anyone watching this outside of the context of. Let's see how this p- compares to either this particular narrative or my own perception of the wider narrative. You know, and that and that sounds totally boring and dull and. A, a, a real non-recommendation i think that's kind of what <laughs> except to people like us who are really like if you are really into the weeds of studying how these images are made it's it's actually really interesting <laughs> but apart from that like as the general public no you're probably not going to be super interested in this unless you are also like a person who likes to watch bad tv Ooh, Which a lot, yeah, a, yeah, bad movie fans might get a kick out of these. Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people like bad TV. Like, so, like, if you if you want to watch something bad that is funny, like that scene where, where John throws the brick, he falls. I was like, I laughed uh, my ass off. That was oh funny. <laughs> McCartney, who the hell do you think you are? That was yeah. good stuff. The the topless sex scene between Paul and Linda. That's that's amazing. The scene with Jim Morrison and Linda talking. Yes, that's amazing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I would say a bit, it. between the two, I would recommend Linda McCartney movie more for that because I feel like that one is kind of funnier. It's lighter certainly, and it takes itself way less seriously. It's more enjoyable. Uh, but l- less competent as a film, whereas yeah, the Lennon sure. one is much more competent as a movie. But my God, the narrative is grating. 
<laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and it's way too long. Yeah, and and it just reads like a teenager's diary of my parents don't understand me, which just doesn't make for entertaining viewing. I'm sorry, it just doesn't. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's a good point. That's a good way to put it. Okay, well, thank you very much, Sam, for coming on and talking about these movies with me. It was a uh, lot of fun. <laughs> it's been a lot of work, a lot of fun, a lot of watching, a lot of thinking. But I think yeah. we've, I think we've proven that you can you can at least talk about these movies in under seven hours and, and get your points up. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. It was a blast. Come on again sometime. No, 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 no. The pleasure has been all mine. I'm a huge fan of another kind of mine. I rant and rave about it on my show all the time. Paul, and I think the place to get all of your Paul all of the time. I'm sure the links will be kindly posted down below. But yeah, they absolutely be- will. Every everybody check out Paul or Nothing, please, wherever you get your podcasts. No, and uh, there are so many episodes with, with me and Phoebe having equally ranting, raving, and rambling conversations. Uh, if if you've enjoyed this, definitely go and check those out. But yeah, this this honestly has been a real pleasure, and I can't wait to to listen to this episode back. It's been so much fun. Thanks, Yay. Phoebe. Thank you. And and thanks for being letting me be the first guy with a penis to come on to uh, come on the show as well. Absolutely. Been, I didn't wear a jean jacket or anything. You know, I really I really tried my best to uh, represent. Uh, you know, you know what, Phoebe? It's 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 high time that white men finally got their representation in the Beatles media. I, I, I can finally start pushing that narrative forward. It's true. It's good to have a it's good to have a man's perspective on these things. Straight finally. white cis, cisgendered male. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Thank you very much. Tax the rich, everyone. Peace out. And she also thinks Mick Jagger is in love with her too. No, Lynn, Yoko, just come with me, all right? We'll just go. Just you and me, right? We'll just run away yes. together. She's like, Mick, Mick tried to buy an apartment in the Dakota, and I know it's so that he could be closer to me. <laughs> I want to be one floor above you, Yoko. I just can't be without you. I just can't. I'm sorry. You're beautiful. <laughs> That's a pretty good Mick Jagger, actually. No, you just have to. Get, you got to do a posh British schoolboy like that. You just got to, you know. <laughs> <laughs>